Station, now number one for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in, Miller and Condon, on a Wednesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 uh, FM. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller. We're glad you're with us uh, for the next couple of hours as we talk sports with you on a day that is football-heavy as we inch our way uh, to Week Zero, coming up a week from Saturday. BMW Des Moines guest list looks like this. At the bottom of the hour, Aaron Schatz. Shots. Shots. Never mind that shots. Here comes Mongo. Uh, will join us. What movie? Uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh boy. Uh, Aaron Shots. It joins us at ten thirty. Football Outsiders. Pretty good site. I've spent a little. Now I'm not into the analytics like mm-hmm. you are, but I'm starting to realize the importance of it. Not just in football, but in all sports. I mean, it's here. May as well. Uh, embrace it to some extent. Maybe not be a be-all, end-all like it is for some people, but it's certainly a place for it. It certainly is. DVOA is probably their most, I guess, biggest part of the vernacular now for football fans Which that are is in analytics. What? It's basically a metric-based way to measure offenses and defenses, not just looking at yards per game, yards per play, but it kind of encompasses a whole bunch of different numbers together. Mm-hmm. It's I guess the gold standard, if you will. You know, war has talked about a ton of yep. baseball. This would be a football type equivalent gotcha. or team based. And, and did he come up with this? Yes. This wow. is his analytic system that he put together. Did he patent it? I'm sure he did. I hope he did. And uh, on top of it, he also likes to take a look at the gambling side of things on top of it. So, <laughs> you know the angle that Ken and I will be taking with yeah. Aaron Shots today? Yeah, we'll be heading that route also with him. All right, so he will join us at 1030. Mitch Holtis in his normal spot, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, today we will uh, be focusing on Creed Humphrey as we continue to take a look at that. Uh, Though two rookies uh, that are both, uh, as of now, starting on that offensive line. Trey Smith yesterday uh, from Tennessee, the sixth-round pick and Creed Humphrey, who was their third round pick, I want to say, out of Oklahoma. Sounds right. Uh, anyways, Creed Humphrey today with Mitch at 10.50. Wednesdays means it's David Kaplan at 11.05 as he starts off hour number two. A lot on the Bears who, oh, by the way, Justin Fields is not practicing today. Groin injury. Uh-huh. Better him than me. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think the Bears fans would <laughs> rather sacrifice it. your groin right. than his. Um, I just hope he can play on Saturday. I really do. And Because um, he was so much fun to watch in week number one. They play, and I did check, and it's on uh, WHO at noon on Saturday. Anyways, uh, David Kaplan will be here. We'll do some Cubs. We'll do a lot of White Sox. Boy, were you watching last night? Yes. That was frightening. Um the uh, Goodwin Godwin hit the baseball and it went. It just caught. It caught the pitcher flush, right in the chops and down. Uh, down he went and the blood trend. I'm not sure if you had a uh, an opportunity. Chris Bassett, we're talking about who's the best pitcher on their team. Yes, yeah. Um, he got him right in the face, 100 miles an hour off the bat, and it was it, it was a Goodwin who hit the baseball. And you could see the towel that they very quickly, and this was a big terry cloth towel. This isn't just, you know, one of those Gatorade things. Right. This was a actual 
I don't know, bath towel or whatever you mm-hmm. call it. And it was just absorbing. The, and this is gross, but um, it, it was awful. So he's got a fractured cheekbone. Uh, there's one other fracture, but the vision apparently is still 20-20. Obviously, a ton of, a ton of stitches went along with it. But more information uh, will be really maybe by the time uh, we get off the air, uh, we'll have had something more from the uh, from the A's. It was a zero-zero game. Uh, runners on second, uh, first and second. Um, of course, Goodwin's infield hit after it went off his face, loaded him up, and then back-to-back hits a double, uh, scored two, and then um, Lamb hit a three-run bomb. It was five nothing. Game was over at that point, but it just felt weird watching the rest of that game. There was an eerie, there really was kind of sound yes. just hovering around, and you get those moments, and just it kind of reminded me in a way a week ago Thursday. Early in the game, just kind of that eerie calmness to the oh, stadium. Oh, yeah, right. Different, obviously, mm-hmm. reason behind it, but same kind of thing here. Oh. Just kind of that that hush that seemed to be across the stadium the rest of the game. No, it was. Uh, and Bassett, former White Sox. Former White Sox. Yeah, okay. Um, he came in the Samarja trade. Wow. In the Samarja trade. And wouldn't you like to have him back? I mean, he was 12-3 and three mm-hmm. prior to, uh, I mean, tagged with the loss last night. Right. But this is their best pitcher by, by a mile. Uh, so anyways, that was bad. One more takeaway from that game last night. Ronaldo Lopez was really good. Mm-hmm. They're stretching him out. Mm-hmm. But when you look forward and you look at some of the young arms that we've talked about, certainly a guy like Dylan Cease, who is approaching the most innings pitch that he has had. And you got some older guys in that staff. Yeah. An opportunity to not just, obviously, put somebody in there to skip a start, but you get somebody like Lopez, who at the very least is a competent guy. Mm-hmm. You can go out there every fifth day with him, stretch out your rotation, keep those innings down, because you can't just throw a triple A guy that's going to get beat around right. or do bullpen games, because they're still fighting for that number two seat. Hell yeah, they are. And the importance of that, as we know, getting home field yeah. and that quick five-game series, the importance of that. So they're still, though they've won the division mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. They're still playing for a lot here, and they play well, and you look at their schedule, there's an opportunity to do it. Maybe they can chase down the Rays and get that number one seed. Perhaps, Trent, because that uh, American League East, there that, that that's a gauntlet. The Yankees now, I mean, they swept the, the Red Sox yesterday. By the way, you know who else went in that trade, uh, including Bassett for Jeff Samarja, who obviously didn't work out? You know who was involved in that? Marcus Simeon. Oh, wow. How about that? Marcus Simeon has turned into... I hope the Jays can keep him. A bit player. A, he's a nice player, too. A really good player. Player. Is it what three straight years he's been in the top ten MVP voting and another twenty plus bombs again this year? Great defensively, yes he is. Gets on base, just uh-huh. does everything you want out of a guy up the middle. Oh, he's he's been great. Yeah, that was a little lopsided, right? Yeah, right. A, a little bit, a little bit of a lopsided trade. Uh, the the news this morning, and it's not good. And I didn't even try to track down uh, Sipple or Mitch Sherman. They've got a press conference mm-hmm. that they're attending to in Lincoln today. Uh, was the revelation? And how about this for your first splash? Um, at the Action Network for Brett McMurphy, who's bounced around. He's been a bunch of places mm-hmm. lately, uh, but he's as good a college reporter and breaks as many stories. He was all over the Ohio State thing uh, with Urban Meyer and the scandals there, and uh, he was public enemy number one in Columbus. Um, but Brett McMurphy has incredible, incredible uh, sources in this industry, and he broke a story, the violations uh, that Nebraska committed during the pandemic last year, and you just wonder. I mean, the, the moose... Uh, the Moose re- resignation came out of nowhere. I mean, came out of nowhere. Uh, his chief of staff, Frost chief of staff, who's his best friend earlier this month, that seemingly caught everybody off guard. And what we're referring to is Nebraska would load up the football team and leave the campus to work out 
when you weren't supposed to do that right. during the pandemic. Uh, they had a, not assistant coaches, but um, what was what's the term that they used? Wasn't assistant an analyst, mm-hmm. a football analyst who can who can talk to assistants. But cannot talk to the players. You get 10 assistant coaches. 10 on-field coaches. 10 on-field coaches. That's all you can have. And, and Frosty, the coach man, um, had, you know, multiple, uh, of these air quote analysts who they have video footage of them, these analysts who aren't allowed to talk to the players coaching the players. Now, on the surface, does it sound like the most egregious violation you've ever heard? But when you put them together, when you combine the fact that it's a pandemic or was a pandemic last year, and you are not allowed to, you know, to gather in those type of numbers, um, and they, in order to try and hide the fact that they were, they moved these weight training um, days Mm -hmm. off campus and got busted, you couple that with the record, uh, I don't know. It, it seems like for us, this is the last thing they need prior to next week against Illinois because this is a massive, massive game for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're overstating it. I Not really do. The difficult nature of what November is for them. Oh, good luck. It's as difficult as you can draw up in the Big Ten. Ohio, Ohio State, State, Wisconsin, State, Iowa. Yeah, but with a bye between Ohio State and Wisconsin, but still. The three teams with the best odds to win the Big Ten this year? <laughs> yeah. Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Right. That's who you finish up the season with. And I, I just wonder, Frosty the coach, man, 12-20, and 20, how, how bad would they be if they weren't cheating? Jesus. I mean, it, yeah. it is bad. And, well, for people that missed it. What is this? Is this the song? It's the song. Frosty the Coachman is a loyal, passionate guy. A former quarterback and national champ when the Huskers were flying high. Frosty the Coachman led UCF to the Peach Bowl. Bill Moose made the call, he didn't drop the ball after losing took its toll. There must have been some talk from his former teammate Matt. He brought in his whole coaching staff, including this fun cat. Frosty the Coachman right, saw Jebby leave in the fall. <laughs> who who wrote numbers, this? Was this a media person? It was, yeah. Oh, this is, uh, I think it's a news TV news station over there. And he th- he wasn't doing this as a spoof, I don't think. No, no, this, no, no, this no. was his best effort. Right, right, right. He tried to sell this. Tried to capitalize, make some money, and thought that Husker fans would eat this up. This is a bad deal. This is the last thing they need. On the surface, other than, okay, the the analyst thing, coaching, that's a slap in the wrist. It's a pandemic we're talking about here. And you you weren't supposed to do these things. Mm -hmm. And the NCAA made that very clear. So we'll we'll see what happens. The the talk in, in McMurphy's piece you can find it at actionnetwork.com. dot um, He speculates that there might be some kind of suspension for Frosty the Coachman, and I'm never going to call him that. I shouldn't say that. I probably will. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's too good. It's too good, right? Uh, so so we'll see. But that's the, the the last thing they need in anticipation of a think about what we're saying a must win game against Illinois. That's how you open the that's season. how you open the season. So. Uh, Reading through the article, though, it was, to me, okay, yeah, it's a deal, Mm -hmm. but in the grand scheme of things. right. But I thought the most damning part was at the end of the story. Oh, the Oklahoma game? Yes. So if you remember back, 
Nebraska was trying to get out of their game against Oklahoma this year. Well, were they or weren't they? Now, McMurphy reported that they were, mm-hmm. but the media very quickly. Yes, because it's an awful, awful Terrible. look for Nebraska. Yep. Game of the century, 50-year anniversary, mm-hmm. obviously no longer part of the same conference. You scheduled this game, and Nebraska's trying to duck yep. the Sooners. Terrible look. Lambrecht, who is his chief of staff and his best friend, who just quit the who just quit his job and was in, involved in this moving the players to the secret location, which wasn't a secret to work out. Scott Frost and Gerard uh, Gerard Lambrecht did this apparently without the permission of the subsequently fired, retired, resigned athletic director Bill Moose. Trent, you're 100 percent right. And when Nebraska fans. Not not all of them, but a good percentage of them realized that's what they were doing, and then it sunk in that despite their blind devotion to this program, that the team that they love, that they've got tattoos over portions of their body, some of them, is trying to duck a, an opponent, and especially an opponent with the history of Oklahoma, Nebraska. It didn't go over well. Frost is the one that wanted out of this game. Yep. He was calling around. They were making the calls. Now, I don't blame them because they're going to get their ass kicked. I mean, I don't blame him on one extent. I, I get kind of why he did it, because they're going to be embarrassed. You think, I, I don't think it's going to be that bad, but we've disagreed about this one all summer when it's come up. I, I'll be grabbing the points. You'll be laying the points yep. when we get to the matchup and there. And you know what? You're going to be happier the books. Right, right. Because they'll take their 10% and away they go. Let's just bet amongst ourselves, and we don't have to worry about it. We'll take the book out of it when we get to that point. But for Nebraska A to even be thinking that, for Scott Frost to be thinking that, mm-hmm. and then Bill Moose to, as they put it in the article here, the source said, fall on the grenade yeah. for them, I think shows you, Bill Moose, his affinity for Scott Frost mm-hmm. and what he's trying to do and what he's trying to build. Mm-hmm. Well, it was his hire. Because there was a lot of arrows coming to Nebraska as a whole. And Moose said, no, it's me. Yeah, and right. that's what you want an athletic director to no, do. No, I agree. I agree. And that's part of the job. That's a good point, Trent. When things like that come yep, up. It's a good point. Would Trev Alberts do that? Well, <laughs> we'll likely find out because... I don't know if he would. I don't know either. I don't know. I think Nebraska is going to be improved this year. The defensive strides that they made a year ago uh-huh. were significant. Yep. From what they were early in the Frost tenure and, and going back before that, to what they are now, this is a good defensive team. Not great. Mm-hmm. We're not talking black shirts. Right. But they're good at the very least. Mm-hmm. Now, will that show up against Oklahoma and Ohio State? Probably not. Can they finally play in the trenches like you have to in the Big right. Ten? And it's taken a while to build it that has. up and get good on both sides of the line. Mm-hmm. I think their defensive line, their linebacker group is incredibly good. Mm-hmm. I like what they built up front on both sides. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think Oliver Martin's a breakout player, including our, our friend Scott Docterman from The Athletic. They have... Some receivers that they're excited about. Uh-huh. They got a transfer from, I want to say Montana. Okay. That's like a 6'4". Yeah, dude. I remember Sip talking about yeah, him. Yeah, really excited about him. They feel like they're going to be good, both skill position wise. You know, last year they lost a lot. Oh boy, how are they going to replace that? They're confident over it. I understand Nebraska's confident all the time. And for the most part, the writers seem pretty confident, usually too. Yeah. And the people that follow the team, not just fans, but also media. It's a different group of media over there mm-hmm. compared to most college programs that you're going to be a part of. But I'm believing the hype somewhat. I think they're a bowl team. I think they're going to be good enough to be a bowl team. Very well could come down to Black Friday. You might. And if that's the case mm-hmm. at 5 and 6. Better beat Illinois. Better beat Illinois to get better there. Better beat though. Illinois. Yeah. And then they got a couple of cream puffs, right? Fordham and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And then they've got to go to Oklahoma for the game that they tried to get out of. Uh, the 50-year anniversary of the game of the century. Uh, 
Uh, they better beat them. I mean, they better beat uh, they better beat Illinois because they're two and two after Oklahoma, and then here comes the Big Ten. Where do they start in the Big Ten? Don't they go to Michigan to start it? Uh, they're early. Yeah, I know I they have they Michigan, Michigan pretty early on. They also have Michigan State. Is that their uh, other crossover this season? Oh, Trent, I don't know. I got it right here. I'm bringing. I know they have up. Ohio State and Michigan. Yes, as the uh-huh. six year deal with the Buckeyes is finally oh. wrapping up this season. For Nebraska, it is at Michigan State after the Oklahoma game, then Northwestern, then Michigan at home. Gotcha. Before going to Minnesota. Right. That's a tough stretch. No, it is. If you have any. And it's about to get tougher. They're opening up three of their first five are on the road. Has that ever happened for Nebraska football? Um, probably not, but that was the price they pay for coming into the conference, right? They did them no favors. And then on the back half of their schedule, your two yeah. roadies are at Minnesota and at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Home games, Ohio State, Purdue, and Iowa. Mm. Uh, 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 uh. So we will uh, we will see. All right, uh, yeah, not good news. Watch it. Don't know what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, these things... Uh, take a take a while uh, in investigations of, of of this type of ilk, but will there be something? Will Nebraska try to get out in front of it by suspending? I don't know. Do you suspend the coach in anticipation that that's going to be the price that you pay? I don't think you do in this case. It's it's, it's too much to play for. This is too much too important of a year for for the Huskers. I mean, they're coming off the three and five season. Prior to that, this is year four for Scott Frost. What'd you say, Trent? Twelve. Uh, twelve and twenty is the record. Let's break it down. Four and eight, five and seven, three and five. That's the Nebraska story over the last little while, and this is going to be a pain in the you know what of a schedule. We'll see. Not what you need to start the day, but Brett McMurphy um, started his action network career with a bang did he not yes they got their money's worth i wonder what they're paying what do they pay a guy like that well he's been part of the action network for the last couple of years just it's more of a side gig with the stadium being his Mm full-time role and now he's moved on from stadium him and jeff goodman both i believe have uh, moved on from that entity but it's a great question i have no idea you wonder about like darren revell what the action Mm -hmm. network pays they got money yes they do and they they've had some big-time names that have made their way there. You know, I, I saw, speaking of kind of media inside the gambling world, our buddy Teddy Greenstein. Yes, from Points Bet. And, Who left the Chicago Tribune. Yeah, to go to Points Bet. He probably got in front of the posse because mm-hmm. that's what's, the, what the Chicago Tribune is. But more and more of this that we're seeing, and people leaving ESPN and going to Trey different Wingo, entities. Yes. With Caesars. And on and on and on. Is this kind of the next evolution of sports media. Yes, I think it is. This is the yep. direction that we're heading, where mm-hmm. if you have any kind of brand at all, you can go out mm-hmm. and you can create a life for yourself right. away from big ESPN or Fox or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the traditional entities, Sports Illustrated, those kind of places. Gambling, it's a big world. And in a way, it feels like we're just still scratching the surface. Well, we're, I know you and I personally are scratching the surface right. with hopefully some more to come here in the next week or so. And <laughs> we get deeper and deeper into this. It's not just kind of, as we know, sports gambling in our state, but there's so much more that's out there. Trent, I, I, I'm, I, I read our Twitter, I, our, the, the blowback that we get, um, you know, the, the criticism of our show, because I think it's great that we do get it and we should read it, whether, um, you know, we... we, we tend to follow it or not gambling is a part of our show Mm -hmm. sports gambling is is a part of the sports world it's not for everybody i totally understand that i don't think we saturate it i don't think we do too much we probably do more 
um, I would say than any of the local sh- other local shows, and I don't know if that's good or bad, um, but that's that's what this that's that's what the format in some respects is trending to, and and those guys that you just mentioned, the Trey Wingo, um, the Teddy Greenstein, the uh, Brett McMurphys of the world, these guys that wrote for you know entities that you've read for a long long time that have now found their way uh, over over to uh, those places on the Internet. And I think that's what it's becoming. Look, it's not going away. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So are we going to talk sports wagering? Yeah, Mm -hmm. we are. Um, In fact, we just uh, agreed to have Kenny White, who is, as if you've listened to our show before, this is a guy that was the most sought-after line maker in Las Vegas in the 80s, and he's a young kid, well, kid, in his 20s. But still, uh, for him to uh, be afforded that opportunity, and then, I mean, he's grown away from that now, but he's going to join us every Wednesday at 12.15, or uh, 10.15, rather, uh, during football season. So Lee Sterling back Lee for another Sterling, year? Lee Sterling, yeah. We get him on Thursdays, what, 10.45, mm-hmm. starting the week, Labor Day week? or the Labor week Day week, yeah. Labor Day week. So we do a lot. Um, on it, and I think there's a place for it. Does it? Does everybody like it? No, but everybody doesn't like hearing about the Chicago Bears mm-hmm. or the Kansas City Royals. And we try to play the hits. Right is kind of how we take a look at our two hours, um, right or wrong. Hawkeyes and Cyclones dominate. Of course, that's yeah. never going to change. Right, but if there's a gambling angle, we'll take that too. Absolutely. Uh, let's get Mike in here. Mike, welcome to the program. Mike, how are you? Good morning, guys. I'm the one that turned you guys on to Wide World of uh, Stadium. Yes, we, I found, my wife found it on YouTube for me. Great. I got another one for you. You guys, it's going to blow your mind. All right. Let's you, guys got, you guys got computers in front of you? Absolutely yep. do. Fire away. Go to, go to Google Maps. Oh, I'm not good at this. Trent, uh, you I, go. I got it up. Okay. I got it up. What? All right. Punch in Burrow, Alaska. B-O-R-R-O-W, Alaska. Spell that again slowly for the 62-year-old in the room. B-U. B-O-R-R-O-W. B-O-R-R-O-W, Alaska. Got it. Okay. All right. You're probably on the terrain map. You see uh, three lakes to your right a little bit? Yep. You see the little one in the middle? Yes. uh, Scroll in on that one a little bit, then go to satellite. And then go to satellite. All right. Bringing this up. Where's my satellite tab? I'm clicking. Okay. Do you you see something blue? Yeah. Zoom in on it. What is it? It's a football field. Oh. In a lake? (laughs) Right between the lake and the ocean, there's a football field. No kidding. That's high school football field. Wow. Isn't that something? Trent, I want to uh, pop in there and see that turn the brain. Yeah, it's incredible. Wow. So I wonder when, when, did, when did they build that? How long has that been there, I wonder? And how do you no find idea. these things, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> About two or three years ago, there was a TV show on TV called High School Football Alaska. I remember this, yes. And, and I sat down and watched the Borough Alaska one where they focused on them. And I, they showed that, and I go, how neat is that? They, what else is neat about a borough Alaska? If you go there to play, you cannot drive there. You have to fly in because you can't drive to borough Alaska. Isn't that wild? I'm looking at it right now. They, the whalers. Every time they go somewhere, they got to fly out. Isn't that wild? The, the barrel the neat, whalers. Yeah. The northern tip of Alaska. It was a really neat show, and there's two ex 
NFL players who really didn't make a big grew up there coaching high school football. Isn't that wild? Uh, Mike, uh, you go down some very interesting rabbit holes, my friend. I appreciate you sharing them with us. Thank you. Bye. I'll find any more. I'll let him know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Mike. Good to hear from you. That's pretty cool. That is I'm awesome. I'm looking at the yeah. visual now. That is really neat. How do you find that stuff? Exactly. Right. I like stadiums. I think Mike takes it to another level. No, though. he does that. That piece on YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty neat, pretty good. Wide world of stadiums. If you missed when right. we had Mike on when he called a couple weeks ago, that's where you can find it. It's really really good on YouTube. Too. So I bet that looked really cool from a satellite because you had no idea what it was when uh-huh. you were going to zoom in and see it right between the two bodies of water. Well, because yeah, it's not a green field either. No, it's not. It's blue. It's dark blue. It's dark. It's blue. not Boise blue. It's what would you call that? Kind of blue. Just royal blue, blue. blue. Royal blue. All right, royal blue. Uh, 1025, analytics conversation coming up next. Look forward to this discussion with Aaron Schatz. You got it. Uh, from Football Outsiders. Mitch Holtis, before the hour comes to an end. Uh, Cappy kicks off hour number two. And Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News on the NFL. Miller and Condon till noon. 1460 KXNO 106.5. Sports Station, 1460 KX and 0106.3 on the FM dial. Let's get into some analytics and some from a gambling perspective. Trent, I'm going to do a lot of listening to you and Aaron Schatz mm-hmm. uh, in this segment. I've uh, been slow to come aboard the analytics train, but uh, it keeps gathering people all the time. I did read the piece, Football Insiders. My eyes quickly gravitated to the over-unders in the AFC West and I think, um, well, one of the one of the gang on there is absolutely right. Denver's going over eight and a half with confidence. Andrew Schatz joins us. Trent Condon and uh, Ken Miller. Thank you for coming on FootballOutsiders.com. How are you, Aaron? Hey, nice to have, nice to be on. Good to talk to you guys. No, good to talk to you. So uh, let's talk about your website first before, like I say, I do a lot of listening to you and Trent and uh, get uh, deep into the, or somewhat uh, deep into the analytics. Football outsiders, uh, who does this, um, obviously football fans, uh, who is um, your primary focus? Who are you trying to appeal to? Well, I mean, football fans in general, certainly people who are interested in sports betting love our work. People who are interested in fantasy football love our work. And people who are interested in just learning the reasons why teams do well love our work. And the the one, uh, I guess, um, analytic that Trent mentioned more than the, what is it again? DVOA. Yeah. Aaron, give us a little baseline for that. It. It stands for Defensive Adjusted Value Over Average. It's, you know, people think about Atlantics, I think analytics a lot more in baseball. But explain a little bit the process, and is that kind of the most important number that you guys use with Football Outsiders? Yeah, that's our main rating. It's basically measuring efficiency. Essentially, every play gets rated on its success based on the down and distance. Then it gets compared to a league average baseline and adjusted for situation and opponent. Better than zero is good for offense. Worse than zero is good for defense, and the league always averages at zero. So you put it all together, you spit it out. So as we get ready for the season, how deep do these numbers go when you're putting together your guys' forecast, when you're putting together your season win totals, those types of things as you get ready for it? I've heard you mention in interviews in the past when I've heard you, Aaron, you say the one 
maybe issue that does come up is it kind of squeezes everybody closer to 500 than they're ultimately going to be. As you're putting these numbers together, getting ready for the season, take us through that process. Yeah, so that's something we do need to figure out is why our projections come out so conservative. But we account for performance by each team over the last three years, obviously last year being the most important. We look at coaching experience. We look specifically at the quarterback for our offensive projections. We look at uh, talent coming in and out, so net talent gained on both offense and defense, a continuity on the offensive line, uh, things like turnovers from last year that tend to regress towards the mean. There's a lot of different variables that go into it, and then we project a range of possible ratings, and then from that range of possible ratings, a range of possible outcomes and wins. Uh, Aaron, who's a quarterback that you guys like more at FootballOutsiders.com, and then who's a quarterback that the public is in love with that you don't quite un- uh, you don't quite get it that the numbers don't back up their affinity for that quarterback? So both of both of those, if you would. Honestly, the quarterback that we probably like more than conventional wisdom is well, either Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins. The fact is, Cousins is probably the player where there is the biggest disagreement between scouting people and stats people, but he is consistently a top-12 quarterback year after year. And, you know, you could do a lot worse. Derek Mm -hmm. Carr also has been very good, and last year finally kind of added the deep balls to his performance. Uh, As far as who we like less than conventional wisdom, I would say probably Matthew Stafford. That's interesting because yeah. there's a lot of Rams love out <laughs> yes, there. So you don't you don't buy the, into the theory that you know he's out of Detroit. Uh, he's now with the team uh, that has more complementary pieces around him, and the Rams are getting hammered, as I'm sure you've seen. They're one of the favorites out of the NFC. So you, obviously you don't buy into that. Do we see Stafford as better than Jared Goff? Yes. Do we see him as that much better than Jared Goff? No. Hmm. I mean, the fact is that your sort of determination of Stafford as being much, much better than Goff, a lot of it is subjective based on just people believing that the Rams system built Goff and that he will fail completely outside of the Rams system, that Stafford was held back by the Detroit system and he mm-hmm. will flourish in the Rams system. But when you look at the actual stats performance over the last three years, there isn't that much difference between the two of them. Last year, Stafford was better. The year before, Stafford was better, but only in half a season. And the year before that, Goff was better. So we do believe Stafford is the better quarterback, but he's never really been like a top 10 quarterback in the league. Hmm. Do, do your stats, do your numbers show any regression at all for Tom Brady as he gets older? Who the heck knows? I mean, <laughs> there's never, you know, stats are based on the idea that certain patterns from the past will tend to repeat in the future. There is no pattern from the past with Tom Brady. There's never been anyone like him, so how are we supposed to predict it? At some point, he will hit the age wall. Every quarterback does. Uh The question is, when? When will that be? He could just keep going and going and going, and he could hit the age wall at 50 for all we know. Hmm. Well, Aaron, let's go around here, your numbers for our regional teams. we got four of them that matter. Let's start with the defending AFC champions. The Kansas City Chiefs. I'm sure metrics love this team. And the offensive line, maybe how that goes hand-in-hand, because I think that's the biggest story of the offseason for Kansas City, how they rebuilt up front of Mahomes. Rebuilding up front is important, but continuity is also important. 
So the fact is, they do. They're a step behind where they would be if they had all these new, if they had all these linemen, but these guys had lots and lots of experience together. So it's going to take a little bit of time for it to fully gel. But they have our number one offensive projection, below average on defense. I think the surprise is that our numbers came out with Baltimore slightly better than Kansas City, but mm. subjectively, if you ask me, who do I think is most likely to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC? The answer is Kansas. From there, let's uh, go north. Let's go up to Minnesota. The Vikings, some buzz at times. The first preseason game didn't do a whole lot to instill confidence. But where you are, you mentioned Kirk Cousins earlier. Your thoughts on the Vikings? Yeah, we like this to be a playoff contender. There are a lot of stats that tend to regress towards the mean from year to year where Minnesota was very bad last year. Special teams, third down performance. Uh, defensive injuries, a lot of reasons to believe they're going to be better this year, particularly on defense, and that that will make them playoff. Green Bay Packers up next. Uh, Like Minnesota and the rest of the NFC North, a very difficult schedule that kind of puts them a little bit behind some of the other top contenders. We have Green Bay with the number four mean projection of how actually good they'll be, but the number eight mean projection of how many games they'll win because of the schedule. And we finish up with the Chicago Bears and some bad news this morning. Tevin Jenkins, their early round draft pick, out for a while with back surgery. Justin Fields, he looked good. Now he's dealing with a groin injury in the first preseason game. Where are you at with the Chicago Bears? Nah, I mean, they're a little bit below average. The defense should be good. The offense, listen, the fact is Fields looks good, but In general, you have to expect that rookie quarterbacks will be below average because that is generally how rookie quarterbacks are. Are there exceptions? Yes. Can you bet on a guy being an exception? That's not a very good bet to take. In the long run, are they going to be happy they traded up for fields? Probably. Uh, Other than the quarterbacks, is there there any uh, position defensively, like a unit, maybe it's linebackers, defensive front, secondary? How do you guys grade uh, defenses and who uh, does uh, do your do your numbers say is is poised defensively to carry their team? In general, uh, the view in the analytics world is that the secondary is a little bit more important than the pass rush, and both are more important than the off ball linebackers. Okay. Uh, the one problem is secondary is very inconsistent from year to year, so the pass rush may not be quite as important, but it's a better bet that they'll be consistent from year to year. So in general, I think both the secondary and the pass rush are pretty important. Off-ball linebackers are less important. So that tells me a team like Denver, um, if, if they had a quarterback, is a legitimate threat because they've got a yeah. secondary, they've got a, they've got a pass rush, um, but yet they don't have a quarterback. If they have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback this year, we think that that's a playoff contender because of their defense. Interesting way to put it. Not so much the case with Drew Locke? Uh, no, we're not big on Drew Locke. <laughs> not big Normal. on Drew Locke. Aaron Schatz joining us from FootballOutsiders.com. Aaron, uh, I want to go a little bit deeper into an analytic number and, and some different parts. I know points per or yards per play has been a big component that you hear more and more. Points per drive also. Do you have any numbers that you guys are still working on that you think maybe could become the next big thing in terms of football analytics? I'm working on a, a something I call post-game win expectancy. It's something that my friend Bill Connolly does for college. Mm-hmm. I'm working on it for pros. And the idea is that we look at different splits of DVOA, 
and that teams that have certain splits will have won the game a certain percentage of the time. So it suggests to you when a team was sort of, quote-unquote, lucky to win a game. Interesting. And I really like the work that Bill Connolly does. It's fascinating to look at the way that this is built and finding a different way to look at it. Well, ultimately, for Ken and myself and for a lot of our audience, gambling is a big part of that. So for people that are interested in getting involved with football outsiders, how do these numbers help with the gambler? Well, I mean, you know, we do picks against the spread during the season, but what we're really good at is the over-unders before the season. When you look at our projections, Mm. You know, account for the fact that they are a little bit tighter grouped uh, around 500 than than they'll end up at the end of the year. But in general, we're pretty good at predicting. You know, we have the Los Angeles Chargers, the Cleveland Browns, a little less than the over-unders in Vegas. We have teams like New England and Las Vegas, a little higher than the over-unders. So there's uh, there's good value in some of those. Uh, I, I see the Steelers as taking a major, major step back. I don't think I'm alone. Um, but when the public's going one way, usually go the other way. Is, is that what you found when it comes to the Steelers? Do you think that this team is poised to, you know, they they started off on fire last year, didn't end the season well at all. Roethlisberger's not getting any younger. I think I see the Steelers, and I've been on this team under for a long, long time. Uh, do you think I went the right way? Uh, probably not. But I don't think I'd go <laughs> over on them either. We have them with the number one projected defense. Their defense has been good and surprisingly consistent. On offense, I don't think they're going to be any worse than they were last year. I think people think that like the downward trend is just going to keep going. I think it's going to level off, and they're going to be a bad offense, but not like a horrendous offense. There is still some talent. Yeah, I know the offensive line is a wreck. Yep. But I think overall Pittsburgh, because of their defense, will still be a playoff contender. The Football Outsiders Almanac, and it's available right now. Tell us a little bit more, Aaron, for people who want to go even deeper inside the numbers of football. 525 pages of season Jeez. previews. It has uh, chapters on all 32 teams with write-ups, not just numbers. Just numbers is boring. You need to have write-ups. <laughs> Comments on all the skill players, fantasy football projections, and write-ups of the top 50 college teams for this year. You can get it at Amazon by searching for Football Outsiders Almanac 2021 or go to our site, footballoutsiders.com, become an FO Plus subscriber. You will get the online version of the Almanac as well as our picks against the spread during the season, our fantasy football projections both in the preseason and during the season, and a bunch of fantasy football tools. Well, when Trent told me we were having you on, I found your site. I've spent a lot of time reading it. I do like the pieces on there. Not sure I understand them quite fully yet, <laughs> uh, but we're working on it. Uh, Aaron, thanks for coming on. Uh, good luck to you, Football Outsiders, the, Alm- uh, the Almanac, uh, footballoutsiders.com, or at Amazon. Aaron, thank you, and best of luck this year. Thanks a lot, and I hope people will check out the site because we do sprinkle in jokes among the numbers. <laughs> they make the numbers easier to understand. Good stuff. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Aaron Schatz from the uh, Football Outsiders. Do you use this as a handicapping tool? I do, yeah. I'm a subscriber there. It's a dollar a week. It's 52 bucks for the year. And I find it very much worth it. The the DVOA numbers, Mm -hmm. and I think you've heard me reference them from time to time. They give you a different kind of snapshot of things outside of just what you see. And anymore, you just you can't just look at yardage totals. I right. think you got to go deeper than that. And do you feel you're further ahead gambling wise because of this site? I do. I really do. And it's NFL. I mean, that's the biggest mm-hmm. part. I know they do some stuff for college, mm-hmm. but this is 
This is my biggest NFL resource mm. that I use. So if you're big into NFL, and the other part you mentioned there at the end, fantasy, I'm way behind in my fantasy studying for the year. I got drafts coming up. They do a really good job with that, too. So I kind of use that also as a piece to go along with the standard, the CBS sports, and the ESPNs of the world. They do a good job on the fantasy side, too. Not expensive. And a buck a week. buck a week. I if think you're, I, if you're I get gambling, my money's worth. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Mitch Holtis uh, joins us to wrap up the hour. David Kaplan kicks off our number two. Miller and Condon on 1460 Kicks and Owen 106.com. Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Papa John's, they sponsor this conversation daily with Mitch Holtis throughout the month of August as we take you to Chiefs training camp. They are breaking training camp today, if memory serves. Hello, Mitch Holtis. How are you? Doing well, my Canadian friend. We are, uh, yes, we are breaking camp as we speak. We just walked off the practice field and had Military Appreciation Day. We had all the branches of service represented here today. It was cool. Um, and a beautiful day, but now we're breaking down and scrambling. Tomorrow's the kickoff luncheon, uh, COVID uh, style, where the guys will get off the bus. I'll introduce them on a stage in front of COVID-distanced fans, mm-hmm. and then they'll get right back on the bus, and then we'll fly to uh, the Arizona Cardinals and play them Friday night. Well, Mitch, uh, we've talked a lot here during our conversations about the offensive line. To me, it was the story of the offseason. A big part of that has been Creed Humphrey and his development here, the rookie. Really interesting kid. Now, Iowa State fans may remember him. He's been the mainstay of the Oklahoma offensive line the last several years. There is so much on the plate of an NFL center. And when you find a good one, uh, like we had Rodney Hudson, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he just got priced out of our market because of where we were salary cap-wise. Rodney, ironically, will see him on Friday night playing for the Arizona Cardinals. But a lot of Creed Humphrey's game reminds me of Rodney Hudson. You have to be a certain kind of center to play in this offense. But for Creed Humphrey, he is working on his skills. Everything like a pro, just continuing to keep doing that, uh, continue to improve every single aspect of what I do throughout the day, not just you know in practice or in meeting rooms, but taking time away from the field to do everything that I need to do right. saw this from Coach eight and a half years ago and what he asked for the offensive line, but it's kind of exciting for an offensive line, didn't it? I mean, you're asked to do a lot of things, and the screen game's awesome. What about what you're learning about this offense and how you fit? Yeah, I love it. You know, uh, I feel like this is kind of a tailor-made offense for the style that I play. So I'm, you know, extremely happy that, you know, I'm in this offense. I'm extremely excited to get to work with it, too. And what about playing with Patrick? Huh. It's awesome. You know, he's a he's a pro's pro. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's as elite as they come in his game. So, you know, getting the chance to work with him has been awesome. You got a lot on your plate, man. You got to make the line calls. You got to remember the snap mm-hmm. count. You're the closest guy to guarding the drawbridge with the princes right behind you. <laughs> and uh, this kid's got a chance. Now, he's not been perfect, and he's not going to be perfect. But again, much like Trey Smith yesterday, the Chiefs may have a long time star on their hands with this kid in the middle of their offensive line. Mm. Uh, they, the, the drafting, uh, Mitch, just continues to, uh, to to bear fruit, as we've seen. We've, we yep. had one yesterday in Smith and Humphrey today, and the, the guys you've chronicled, now second-year players, and Lucas Niang's going to be one of those guys. I, I continue to say it, but it just amazes me. You're not supposed to get guys when you draft 32nd in each of the rounds, yet here we are. And, Ken, here's the thing. We, we get so in love. I don't care if you're a Broncos fan, Vikings fan, Packers fan, Bears fan, Chiefs fan. 
you can get so in love with free agency. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's a perilous way to go. Uh, yep. You can screw up your salary cap. you got to hit those right. But the guts of the most successful teams in the National Football League, and I've seen this with the nine years of Andy Reid, are those that you draft and develop. Or you find the college free agent nuggets, the Ben Neemans of the world from the Iowa Hawkeyes, and you develop those undrafted free agent guys. That has to be the bulk of your team, the way the NFL is designed. If you don't do that, you will get crushed. Hmm. Mitch, we've seen the the taunting rule be a big emphasis. It looks as though the, that's how that's how the season will start. Uh, whether they keep doing that throughout the season remains to be seen. But when you've watched practice, and if something gets out of hand, I mean, I know that this is a, this lesson is taught in the meeting rooms, and it's emphasized over and over and over again. But if there is something that happens on the field of practice, will the coaches stop that and uh, you know tear a strip off of the of the offender uh, when they see it? Coach Reed hates that stuff. Mm. Now go back about two and a half weeks ago when the New York Giants had that complete debacle on their field. Yes, yeah, the that's the way we used to be. I mean, Gunther Cunningham kind of well, back in the day. I mean, we're talking twenty some years ago. Would encourage it. Even Dick Vermeil would let it go. Coach Reed hates it. We had a call the other night. Darwin Thompson. Uh, the Chiefs have really good field position. Darwin Thompson has a nice play. Nice run jumps up in his excitement. He headbutts the defender of the 49ers. Mm. It's a post-possession, a post-play foul, dead ball foul, 15 yards, and now instead of having, like, second and four, it's second and 19, and it's taken a, it completely changed uh, the field position. And so Coach Reed is, like, kind of not down with being stupid and doing <laughs> dumb things. And sometimes taunting is the dumbest thing you can do on the field. you got to have some control here. So I'm all about uh, emphasizing uh, penalties for content. Final thing, we talked to Creed Humphrey. I bet that guy could knock down a whole Papa John's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got a Friday night game coming up, and the Donaldsons always tell me, they go, oh my gosh, even in the preseason, here come the pizza calls for Friday night. Uh, I've talked about this Papadilla that they've got, which is their great August special. They've also got a special on some one-tops that are uh, one-toppings. Uh, you can go to papajohns.com. They're one of their best values because they've got that, you know, the epic stuffed crust pizza one-topping special. So check it out for them. But Friday night football, hey, sounds like uh, might want to get some za. Indeed. Hey, when do we get you? Is this it for the week for you, or will you find time for us? Uh, no, let me think about this. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to send you – uh, I'll have to send you a report. I'm going to okay. talk about Noah Gray. Okay. I've been bragging him up, but yep. I'll send you a report, and then I'm probably going to send you a report on Friday. Good stuff. So, yes, uh, live and in color, this is the last you're going to see and hear me. You won't see me, uh, but I will send you reports Thursday, Friday. And I'll we'll give t- you the checklist for the Friday game. Yep, gotcha, and we'll talk to you, uh, talk to you next Monday. Thank you, Mitch Holtis. You got it, guys. Thank you. Yep, good to talk to you, Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Big week for them, big week for a lot of teams. Week two of the NFL with only three. It'll be feel a little bit different. All right, David Kaplan standing by. He'll kick off our number two. Off to Chicago we go. A lot of Bears conversation, a lot of White Sox conversation. Maybe a little Cubs. Kyle Hendricks pitched well yesterday. Good for them to break that streak. Small victories. That's what's left of That's the 2021 season. Number one, Condon, hour two coming up next.